2: Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, and you. Numbers to dial us up. 466-3776-466-3776-800-825-5865. You can find us on Twitter. Give us a follow at Schmidt underscore radio. For Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, as always, find and follow us on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio. Chris Schmidt at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Coming up on the program, we'll dive into some high school hoops and the weekend for Nebraska basketball, Jacob Padilla. Going to be with us in about 20 minutes with HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Bill Dolman is in full Olympic mode. Billy D is not in Beijing, thankfully, but he is hunkered down, and uh, we'll be doing the biathlon broadcast, play-by-play for that. Those uh, get rocking and rolling with the time difference, and uh, we will awaken Bill Dolman, <laughs> get his take on the week and uh, the outlook for some Olympic coverage in uh, part two of our uh, deep dive into. The Joe Burrow story, uh, longtime coach and uh, standout Husker. We talked to his brother Jamie yesterday. The coach Jimmy Burrow, uh, really talented defensive coordinator for years for Coach Coach Solich at uh, Ohio. Spent time with Coach Walden at Iowa State and Washington State. He was part of the Nebraska coaching staff under Coach Solich late 90s, early 2000s. So Coach Jimmy Burrow with us in our two have the numbers can join us and uh, we have a, a weekend to get prepped for that Super Bowl party you may throw or may attend chicken wings aren't as scarce as they were a year ago I uh, kind of got a kick out of the goal conversation leading into us about what the, the do's and don'ts of chicken wings but uh, on our mind Elijah uh, some some money-making moments potentially this weekend for Jojo Doman and Cam Taylor-Britt. Uh, we saw Samare Toure do his thing last night in the East-West Shrine game in Vegas. The bigger question, uh, red zone efficiency for Nebraska on paper was pretty good, but you know it had its moments, ups and downs from a consistency uh, in the big moments of so many tight ball games last year. So as we look at some projected numbers here, you look at Jojo uh in the senior bowl and, and Cam Taylor Britt uh early projections have Cam Taylor Britt uh that fourth fifth round window. Jojo Doman grade wise is isn't that third to fourth round as well. That could go up or you really don't know till draft day. Uh the story is is always Interesting when you look at guys who fall or jump based on if a, if a team likes you. It just takes one. And I think there's a, a lot of teams that are intrigued by Jojo Doman as he's been deemed the unicorn because of what he's done. Not only is his ball skills been highlighted and shown on social media this week uh, with his coverage ability – but also uh, the plays he's made when he's been positioned at a linebacker spot, getting to the line of scrimmage, being disruptive, uh, and and making plays. He's been just a gem for Nebraska. A guy overcame two ACLs. He's going to improve his draft profile. You want JoJo to stay healthy. He has been incredible. And you go down the list of Huskers – that uh, you remember. Obviously, you go back a decade, you remember what what Sue was and is. Uh, I remember Prince of and Alfonso Dennard in the secondary that were really, really talented. Dejan Gomes was was a wow guy and kind of a turnover machine. Jojo Doman, to me, is a a lot like Nate Gary with the speed, the versatility, the agility. But I think Jojo, Elijah, has been one of Nebraska's best defenders the last 10 years, not only for his versatility, but what JoJo's been able to do from a security standpoint. Elijah, the guy didn't miss tackles ever, and he was in a lot of unfavorable spots, my friend, uh, one-on-one. And and I think that Ohio State game, his final game in Lincoln, was one of the best games he played, but one of the best games I've seen from a defender. I don't want to quite go Mike Brown, but he does have – Uh, I reminisce about JoJo's ability to tackle, kind of like Mike Brown, just when it comes to one-on-one making the play making a splash play and helping out a defense.
0: And, and I'm going to make some comparisons here. They might seem lofty, but uh, if you know anything about me, I'm a Broncos fan, which means I've had a lot of time to study some NFL draft, draft prospects over the past couple of years. <laughs> yes, you have. And, uh, <laughs> and, and what JoJo reminds me of is just that prototypical modern-day NFL linebacker. And these two comparisons I'm going to make are both guys that just finished their rookie years both of these are a little bit lofty. I think these guys may have been a little more refined than JoJo coming up, but, but two guys he really reminds me of, Micah Parsons and Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. Uh, Micah Parsons obviously had a great year with the Cowboys, and then uh, Koromoa slid to the second round last year, got picked up by the Browns, and then also was was one of the best pieces on their defense as a rookie last season. And, and what they did so great was uh, Usu koromoa is at Notre Dame, and he spent most of his year kind of like JoJo, lined up in the slot corner position covering a, a team's slot receiver, which is a very hard role, but then he was also side. Sideline to sideline, just like JoJo could get after the passer. Micah Parsons might be the, the loftier expectation. That guy's a, a freak of nature. But I think those two guys just showed you what the value of a guy like JoJo Doman is in the league. I think JoJo might need a little bit of work uh, lining up five yards behind the line of scrimmage and playing that typical linebacker position. But we've seen guys, similar body types as him, uh, doing similar things in college, making splashes early in the NFL. And I think NFL scouts uh, might be seeing something like that in JoJo. And uh, we'll see how he does at the Combine and uh, in, in the draft, which is, I know, what, three months away now, two, two and a half months away. Uh, so it's, it's a ways down the road. He, he's got a, a ways to go to be able to, to rise up the draft boards. But I think he does have comparisons of, of guys who are making splashes in the NFL right now.
2: You know, and, uh, and the, the the Nebraska comp is is Gary to me, just because of the speed and 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 Nate started out as a linebacker and then they moved him back to safety and the way Nate Gary came up filled the hole as that thumper safety to make plays against the run. Jojo's done that, but. What's the defense going to do? I mean, they'll 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 have a Gifford ready. They'll they'll work on finding that next hybrid guy. But JoJo Doman, as the defense grew, developed, got better. He was a, he was the, the the tip of the spear for that. Honestly, with uh, with his ability, and I'm anxious to see him play out, ball out, and he has showed a lot. I mean, I'm looking at some of his his Twitter film right now, and the one-on-one drills where he's able to get downhill, and and guys, JoJo isn't doesn't whiff on tackles, and the, the the ability to do to do so in space. There's a lot of film of him making plays on the football, or just being able to make an, a one-on-one tackle, a lost start in football. He's uh, super talented. Best wishes to JoJo, Cam Taylor, Britt. There's uh, some a Packer website that. Really likes Cam Taylor-Britt. Cam, of course, uh, chipped the tooth yesterday. <laughs> Didn't miss workouts. Showed uh, on Twitter uh, the the chippage that happened. And with Cam, I mean, he's a guy that you're hearing a, a lot about uh, when it comes to just how phys- – we, we've seen how physical he is. I mean, there's a, a lot of instances in, you know, on Saturday afternoons or Saturday nights where he'd blow up some guy trying to block him at the line of scrimmage on a little bubble situation, and he'd go make a TFL. Uh, Cam was so good with his ball skills as well. And in Cam's career, he really did wonderful work. When we think about Dotson and where he'll go with Penn State, right? That whiteout, uh in Lincoln uh, didn't do a, a whole heck of a lot. Cam shut him down well. Cam uh, had a, a really nice day against Michigan. I mean, that's Cam kind of, maybe was trying to do too much the first part of this season. He really settled in and did his job, did it extremely well. Uh, And uh, he played crazy good football against Michigan. Uh, That second half of the Minnesota game, he really helped shut down that Minnesota offense that had put up enough points. And, uh, you know, you hope Cam can continue to do his thing. Uh, Great size, very physical Wonderful ball skills, and he just loves playing ball. So those are two guys to watch for. So what do you think about Toure? What do you think Samari did last night? When we talk about the East-West Shrine game, he helped his stock. uh, You look at five catches, 32 yards, two good-looking touchdowns and even what Toure did downfield. He's a really willing blocker. You need to be, obviously, in the NFL. But he showed the ability to do that in Lincoln, and he showed that in the All-Star game last night. It kind of brought up the question of, well, why wasn't Samari <laughs> used more in the red zone? Because, wow, he was he was a good showcase. He was a matchup problem last night in the All-Star game. Uh, you, had, uh, you had a lot of options in the red zone for Nebraska, They just didn't do well throwing the football in the red zone. If they were going to score, it was a quarterback keeping it typically. Occasionally you get a running back to get in there with Ramir Johnson or Yant. But uh, moving forward, that's a bigger question. Good story by Mitch Sherman. Uh, When it comes to the Nebraska offense and it being a work in progress, it's new, new parts, new quarterback, new line, new skill guys in some instances. And uh, for sure, a, a new collaboration with the O-line running back and offensive coordinator. Toure, to me, we'll get to the offense and the, the red zone in a moment here as we look towards spring ball. But uh, did Toure do enough in the All-Star game last night to, to become beyond that sixth, seventh-round guy? Did, did he show enough to maybe be a fifth-round guy? I don't know where he'll go. Um, Wideouts are. This is not fun, nice to say, but they're kind of a dime a dozen unless you're elite, elite, elite. But you just you see, a couple of uh, of NFL squads are notorious at finding undrafted free agents and developing those guys to be uh, high-level performers. I think of uh, Green Bay and I think of New England. Both those franchises find guys and in some instances take him off the practice squad and all of a sudden they're they're catching touchdown passes i think Ture can work himself into a draftable receiver that's not a knock on on his skill or ability i just think it's a pretty good receiving class when you look at some of the first round projections but just finding finding that roster finding that fit elijah for Toure, will be key. And you see a lot of guys, and, and look at Cooper Cup, where he came from and what he does to teams in the slot. Can Toure be that dangerous of a guy in the slot? I think he's got enough speed. It's just a size question for me on the outside, but he could make some catches and do some things uh, between the hashes or on those out routes at the next level.
0: And I think what we've seen in the NFL the past couple of years is there are great receivers that you can find on day two and day three of the NFL draft. So, um, I mean, we were talking with Searles about this whenever we were talking about uh, Cam and the offensive line. It's mm-hmm. d- getting drafted in of itself is a statement, and it means you're going to make it through at least one year of the NFL, most likely, uh, without getting cut. You're going to either be on an active roster, on a practice squad, making a name for yourself. The, the bigger question for me last night was, Did Samari Touré do enough to get himself a a combine invite? Did he do enough to get himself some individual workouts with some NFL teams? That's the bigger question, uh, because one game, it does not define a career. Uh, Samari's got great film at Montana. He had pretty good film last season, even even if he wasn't necessarily utilized in a way that was... uh, showing off his strong suit, say, in the red zone. Uh, But did he do enough yesterday to at least turn some scouts' heads? And I guess it's throughout a whole week of practice as well, to get that combine invite and get himself a chance to at least get work in front of NFL GMs, in front of NFL scouts, in front of NFL coaches. If he can do that, uh, I I was impressed enough with his talent. I think somebody out there will take a flyer on him. I'm no draft scout, uh, but I was impressed with what I saw last night, and it sounded like he had a good week of practice as well.
2: Yeah, he was was nice. And you've got uh, Tony Pauline, He's a Pro Football Network guy, and uh, he is—he was raving uh, about uh, how well Samari ran routes, made big-time catches, and is someone to look at. Uh, the one-on-one drills—he looked good as well, uh, and then culminated last night with uh, him getting a couple of scores, five catches. So they—the the, the draft Bible, also—that's—that's that's a site that we've all heard of. Uh, touched on just how smooth and fluid he was, his footwork, his route running soft hands, and uh, the thing about Terray too is not only did he dominate f c s but he came into the big ten and was probably a you know a couple more games there's a couple of games that he just wasn 't featured as much he wasn 't that far off from a grand receiving i mean he was around eight hundred yards he had some monster plays, you think of Ohio State and their wealth the talent and how Samari was able to to get loose in the slot and, and get a get a connection and get into the end zone, so Ture, uh had big moments in some of the big games this year. Uh, so yeah, pro day will be big for sure for Toure when Nebraska hosts all the NFL scouts. So and, pretty good day for. Go ahead. Yeah, and what's just frustrating about this is you see this talent, and you see them turning the heads
0: of uh, of NFL draft guys with. Uh, Cam Taylor-Britt and JoJo and Samari Torre even still, and you go, man, there was more talent on that team last year than, than the 3-9 and record would indicate, and that's what's frustrating as a Husker fan.
2: You're right. I mean, you look at all the guys doing well in the NFL, the lead up here to the draft, and you, you think back to what could have been, and it's a topic uh, when it comes to red zone and scoring and, you know, what can 2022 be? Step one is that collaboration uh, with the new offensive staff and head coach Frost settling in and marrying the systems so your offense can be a peak performer with a lot of talent on the field. You know, what will the defense be remains to be seen. We'll check in, get some thoughts from Jacob Padilla. Great to be with you on a Friday. It's Hale Varsity presented by the Nebraska Lottery. of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR.
1: And we're back. Fellas, we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio
2: presented by the Nebraska Lottery.
3: Yes! That's awesome!
2: Thanks for your time. Hale Varsity Radio, a Friday presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Now uh, We'll get some, uh, the week that was Nebraska thoughts with uh, Bill Dolman NBC Sports. He's gearing up for biathlon play-by-play in the winter games in Beijing. So uh, Bill Dolman here at five. And then uh, the thought on uh, Joe Burrow, his run, Cincinnati's trip to Super Bowl 56. Proud Papa Jimmy Burrow going to be with us in hour two. We uh, welcome in to talk some hoops and some high school. Jacob Padilla with us from HaleVarsity.com and magazine at Jacob Padilla Jacob, what's a good word? How you doing?
4: Hey, I'm doing all right. Just uh, made a trip down to Lincoln to hear Fred Hoiberg talk today and uh, go check out some high school hoops tonight.
2: That'll be uh, great. We'll get to the the, the weekend schedule of hoops tonight and tomorrow. What did you think of Fred today? I know, uh, and we'll have the audio a little bit later on, but uh, he was kind of out front and very uh very understanding about the the frustration specifically when he was talking about the fans and what the team's trying to do versus what's actually happening uh he knows that there's a bottom line here to win but uh he's as is sick a lot uh jacob is is anybody that Nebraska's not gotten over the hump
4: yeah, and I think uh people tend to take his like stoic nature on the sideline as oh, he doesn't care. Um, that, uh, just being around him, you can tell that that's not really the case. It, it does wear on him. Um, but can he fix the issues? That's, that's a question at this point. Um, I, it's not for lack of trying, but um, at a certain point you're going to have to find something that clicks, um, whether it, it be this season or from a big-picture program standpoint. Because um, clearly what they've done to this point, hasn't been good enough. Uh, they stand at 0 and 11, which is in conference play, which is worse than either of the, the past two years. So um, part of that is the schedule and the way that it's stacked up. I mean, you look at who they played versus who they've got left, that basically um, the rest of their games outside of that season, the kind of season finale at Wisconsin are all against the, the rest of the bottom half of the, the conference uh, outside of themselves. Um, so they, they got a chance here to play teams closer to them in the standings but to this point we've seen that nebraska has played well enough to compete with even the good teams they just haven't been able to, to win those games so that's what remains to be seen here can they find a way to actually make the plays when it matters most down the stretch
2: jacob padilla is with us husker basketball thoughts and magazine at jacob padilla underscore on twitter what could click, or how does it click tomorrow from a plan standpoint? Let's talk matchup, real quick against Northwestern.
4: Yeah, it'll be interesting. Northwestern's a different kind of team than they've played, um, really, almost all season, at least against the the, the high-major teams that they've run up against. Um, where you've got more of a stretch big in Pete Nance uh, playing a whole lot of minutes there. Ryan Young, who is kind of their more traditional post. He's averaging uh, 9.5 a, a game and shooting well from the field, but he's only playing about 18 minutes a game. Uh, a, a lot of the time they've got uh, Pete Nance out there, at, uh, who, who's 6'10", but um, he's uh, listed 225, I believe. He's more of a stretch guy, that uh, more of an athlete versus a uh, back-to-the-basket center, which is w- what they've run up a lot against in the Big Ten to this point. So it'll be interesting to see how Derek Walker handles that matchup compared to the ones that... Uh, he, he's dealt with thus far because he's definitely the key for this team. Um, you, you got to do a good job of keeping Boo Booey out of the paint. Um, he's averaging 15 points and five assists. He's he's an okay shooter, but um, he's not a great shooter. So you, you really just have to stop him from creating for himself and for others. Uh, I think uh, we'll, we'll probably see a lot of Trey McGowan's on him. Uh, Chase Adige is... Uh, another wing out there that can score the ball. He's not particularly efficient overall, but he's certainly capable uh, if you don't defend him well. So that's kind of the, the trio of their double digit scores that are going to be on top of the, the, the scouting report and um, Northwestern. One thing about them is they, they do not turn the ball over. They're one of the best in the country at taking care of the ball. So this isn't a game where Nebraska is going to be able to, to, to shoot the passing lanes and, get some cheap steals, and get out in the open court that way. They're going to have to just defend really hard, get a rebound, and then get out and try to run that way. Um, so it'll be a little, little bit different style than what we've seen thus far. But, uh, again, uh, Northwestern is 3-7 or 3-8 now in, in conference play. Um, and, but their, their largest margin of victory this season uh, is 10 points against – or 20 points against Purdue, rather. Uh, but outside of that, they, they've been competitive in every game that they've played this season. So this isn't one that you're going to be able to um, uh, get out of there with an easy win, but it is a, a team that Nebraska should be able to hang with.
0: Jacob Adillo with us here on Hale Varsity Radio. And, and Jacob, one of the things that was interesting to me in uh, in Fred Hoiberg's press conference today, and we have this cut, we'll probably play it for you next segment, uh, but one of the things that was interesting was he said we we are yet to play a team that's sub 500 and I think he was referring to conference record as Northwestern that 3 and 8 is going to be the first sub 500 conference record uh, that Nebraska played this season but when I look at the Big 10 standings Nebraska is actually the only team in the Big 10 with an overall record uh, under 500 and they're the only Big 10 team with a home record under 500 as well so just as you look at the season as a whole is it Hoiberg's worst season to date, despite the talent he has on the floor? Uh, I should say his worst season at Nebraska, uh, despite the talent on the floor?
4: Yeah, I mean, it's it's right in line with uh, where the previous two uh, seasons were um, through 22 games. Um, give me a second here. Um, uh, well, anyway, um, it's going to be tougher to find than I thought. But uh, anyway, I just kind of I went back for my uh, column on Wednesday and did kind of compare all right, where were they through 22 games in each of the past two seasons? And uh, it's right in the middle. There was one season he had five wins, another he had seven, and right now they're sitting at six. So it's kind of right in line with what they've done the past three years and considering the expectations. And uh, this being year three, uh, I think similar results is definitely much worse. And this isn't what I think – they expected uh i don't think this is the plan was to be able to i think by this point you thought you'd come with some of the pieces you're bringing in that you'd be able to compete in the big 10 uh the, the transition classes were out of the way this was you had the returning core uh you, you had talented newcomers to add to the, the um add to the mix and here you are at the same place that you've been the, the last two years so um certainly a very disappointing season thus far
2: Jacob, did Fred get into his decision with Tominaga the, the final 12 minutes? And I know Kisei sparked him on offense, took some good shots, didn't really force anything. But man, he got worked defensively. I mean, they went right. Michigan went right at him when they needed the bucket. Either his man got behind him or he got lost or he didn't box out. And, and he's not the only guy that, that's missed a box out this year, but he's just a. Uh, liability might be a strong word to use defensively but he just struggles he has struggled this year in a transition to the big 10 defending and and i you tell me was it more of a pitch count with trey to to roll with Tominaga, or did did fred just want to roll with a guy that helped spark him what was your take on michigan and what do you foresee with Tominaga's role in minutes to t- tomorrow
4: yeah, he said he stuck with that group because he thought they gave them the best chance to win. And um, I I agree. I, I don't – he didn't specifically talk about the end of the game, um, which is – the like I, I, I get rolling with a hot group. Yeah. Uh, doing so for 12 and a half minutes is a bit uh, excessive, especially needing them to make plays down the stretch. Uh, he, he said he didn't think fatigue factored into – Uh, the way the game ended, but uh, but still um, a lot of uh, basketball to play straight with with the same group out there. And, uh, like, even if, like, yeah, you you stick with a hot group, but in in late-game situations, in coming off of a free throw, no less, you have the ability to sub um, based on the situation and go with your best defensive players when you need a stop. And that's where I didn't understand keeping – uh, Trey McGowan's on the bench and, and leaving Tomonog out there. Cause you're right. He was the guy that turned his head uh, uh, on the post-entry pass and let Devontae Jones cut back cut on him for the go-ahead layup. And then he's the one who gave up the offensive rebound uh, on the, the following possession after uh, Nebraska still had a, a chance to, to, to give themselves a shot to go for the tired lead. Um, so that was two costly mistakes that he was on, uh, that he was responsible for. In addition to losing his head and getting the technical. Mm-hmm. Orberg said he, he doesn't, he's one of the most passionate guys he's been around, and he doesn't want to ever take that passion away. Um, but at the same time, it still feels like that was a situation where uh, maybe you need to set, uh, set an example and help, help him learn from the mistake he made, um, even with the, the positive plays he had made leading up to that point. Um, doesn't mean you've got to sit him down for the, the rest of the game, but um, I, I think typically that that's the situation I think a lot of coaches would take a guy out there. Um, but Burke decided to stick with that group uh, the rest of the game, and they did get him back in the game. They had it tied w- with two minutes to go uh, but couldn't make the plays. And, again, that that is kind of not making substitutions on uh, down the stretch coming off of those C.J. Wiltshire free throws is kind of the biggest uh, what I thought I thought was definitely a mistake and was, was confusing to be in the moment and shortly after the game.
2: Jacob got about a minute or so minute and a half, bud, but games that have your attention on the prep hardwood this weekend.
4: Yeah. Um, got next weekend is really where things ramp up. You got the, the heartland hoops Classic out got a mm-hmm. uh, grand Island on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that, but, um, this weekend, uh, I'm going to, I think, uh, tomorrow, after get done in Lincoln, i'm, like, I'm going to try to get back for that Elk, that lincoln southwest at north north game at 5:15. um that's like southwest that has a chance to go there and earn a, a really big win uh they, they've kind of been up and down so far this season they're, they're kind of lacking that that really big win to go on their resume as we kind of inch towards uh the the postseason here um so that's one that's kind of Uh, that I'm looking at on Saturday. And then I think uh, I might try to get out to Weeping Water, actually. The ECNC final is out there at 8 o'clock tomorrow night, and that's Auburn against Freeman. So two kind of smaller school uh, teams out there that have been good in recent years uh, going head-to-head for conference titles. So that should be a fun one. On the girls' side, uh, probably the biggest game of the day is – Millard uh, South and, and Omaha Central going head-to-head again for the uh, first time after since the, uh, the the Metro Holiday Tournament final, I believe. And Cora Olsen wasn't healthy for that one. She, she's playing now, I believe, for the Patriots. So um, That's uh, on the girls' side. That's probably the big one you're looking for. And that Southwest uh, at Millard North, North. Uh, one should be interesting on the girls' side as well. Obviously, Amy Williams' daughter, Kenzie Williams at Southwest, and Millard North has got a really young team as well. But Chris Balson's done a great job with that. So I, I probably won't be able to make it back in time for, uh, most, most of that game coming back from Lincoln, but, um, I will maybe try to catch the end of that at least.
2: Jacob, look forward to it, but have a great weekend. Thanks for the time today.
4: All right. Sounds good.
5: Hello, listener. This is Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity radio show podcast we're offering $10 off the annual subscription price of $29.99. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com slash subscribe promo code GBR.
1: Chime in 402 espn or email the show. Chris at HaleVarsity.com.
2: Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Jacob Padilla. Be sure to catch the uh, on-demand podcast of Jacob's thoughts on Husker hoops and high school ball. That'll be on ESPNLincoln.com, also on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter handle. Uh, tonight, uh, over on KFOR, I'll have East as they're 10-5. Carter Templemeyer, tremendous talent. Malachi Coleman, uh, of course, uh, will be high-flying. And uh, they are hosted by the Fighting Spitchkiz Pius, really awesome squad. Uh, Coach Jeff Smith back in the country. So we'll be over at Pius tonight. Then we'll have East and uh, Bell West comes to town tomorrow. That'll be over on Sister Station here locally in Lincoln on KFOR, Mozilla, Ham, Northeast, and uh a bit on with uh Creighton Prep rolling in the town. So excited for a good basketball weekend. Numbers to get in, 466 825 5865 So this is an on the spot question for you. Elijah Herbal, uh, Bill Dolman is awake. He is um coherent he is ready to do his radio hit in 25 minutes do we want billy d on camera he's asking does elijah want me on streamlink
0: oh i'm, I'm willing to have him on stream it's kind of up to him i know he's uh this is essentially like 6 a.m for bill dolman with how his uh his new schedule's working so i i was going to leave it up to him if he's willing to come on camera
2: we'd be more than happy to have him well uh we'll uh um We'll ask him. <laughs> we'll just say, "Hey, Bill, do you want to throw your lid on, brother, and 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 get fired up on a Friday before biathlon play-by-play?" So basketball on our mind. Let's hear from from Coach Hoiberg from earlier today, and uh, just kind of his frustration, uh, a message to the fans, and and we'll get into that. You as a Nebraska basketball fan. Uh, you know, does Nebraska basketball, the men, still figure in your plans? Think about this: you got a Saturday, you have a a, a decent tip time, and are you going to go if you have the ability to go? I mean, are you are you still supporting this team right now, or have you kind of checked out? Uh, I mean, that's that's the the question mark here: is the fan base has the the fan base said uh, sayonara to this Nebraska basketball team at 0 and
6: 11. Here's Coach Hoyberg. There's not one person in this program that doesn't have frustration with not being able to get over the hump and get some wins. Uh, you know, one thing I'll, I'll tell you is these guys are continuing to go out there and battle. Um, you know, they're practicing hard, which I know doesn't mean anything, but you know, they're not laying down. They're continuing to go out there and you know give us a chance. We, again, we just got to find a way to get confidence to know that we can win these games, and it's the single most important thing is winning close ones. And you know, I've talked about in the past when you have those teams that have the confidence to know you can win, it's a beautiful thing and right now we just have to find a way to get over the hump um you know i believe me i know this business i know what it's all about you have to win at the end of the day that's the only thing that's important we're going to keep grinding we're going to keep going out and practicing and preparing and hopefully give ourselves a chance to win um you know our schedule we have not played a team in league yet with a sub 500 record and we knew january was going to be a grind uh you know so again we've had plenty of chances we just got to find a way to get over the hump
2: Amen. Uh, he is saying all the right things. More importantly, Elijah Fred Hoiberg means what he says with the intensity, the practice. the, the way this team's gone, and uh, the last couple of of ball games that have ripped your heart out if you're on that team. Michigan. I mean, you play them down to the wire. It's not a great Michigan team. That is Nebraska's fault. It's still not easy to go play well or win at Chrysler Arena. You have the Rutgers game where you led the whole damn thing until the final 90 seconds, similar to the Michigan game where you uh, traded runs, and that was kind of a new uh, situation for Nebraska because I was expecting them to go away a couple of different times, right? I mean, uh, they didn't, though. They they got blown out of the water. 21-6 to 6 type uh, start of the second half when the big ugly got back in for Michigan. And uh, then the the run Michigan put together after Kise's freak show at midcourt, but Nebraska found a way to battle back. Here's here's why Nebraska fans are are checking out and it's just because of what they see. Their Nebraska fans, the feedback we get, they're turned off at times by lack of effort and it's not that they're just lazy. It's it's the it's the simple do your job moments on a defensive closeout, on a box out or just the communication part defensively, and then on the offensive end you still see some selfishness. And selfishness is beyond dribbling into to four players, it's time and space of a shot. I mean you continue to it's better but it's not better in key moments where you can pull the ball back out and try and work it around, work it around the perimeter, use the the ball movement to get a better shot. You see guys launching from three too often. And I know that's why they were brought here, but uh, allegedly you recruited a bunch of really good three point shooters that that hasn't translated. Uh, So you see missed box out, you see empty trips, you see untimely turnovers, you see poor shot selection. You, you saw all of that in the final two minutes against Michigan. That's how you lost that ball game. And then you didn't keep your composure either, uh, at least the, the key moment where you're up uh, a handful of points against Michigan and all of a sudden they get four free free throws, and it, it's a one-point ball game. That is what's been eroding the fan base because that that attendance – has been dwindling and continues to dwindle. I don't know what crowd you'll see tomorrow. I know the weather is going to be nice. I hope folks go out and support the kids and and see the team. But as far as being able to to take Nebraska basketball, they are really hard to watch right now. And it's not for for their effort, but it sure as heck uh, is because of some of their execution and the same habits they have. And that's that's just it. I mean, it's just not a a first. Response for a lot of the kids on the team to box out, to do the little things, and and maybe they can grow out of it and get better by season's end. But long story short, you're still 0-11. Well,
0: I think another factor here is why would you watch the men's basketball team when the women's basketball team plays the game the right way, makes clutch shots, doesn't try to do too much, and is just overall. Uh, more fun to watch, I'd say. I mean, I was at my, my bowling league on Tuesday night, and speaking of that, my team is currently uh, second overall in the uh, the citywide tournament standing. So. That makes me happy. Yes, uh, but we, we had both games on. It was uh, Michigan on one TV, and the next TV was the women's basketball team. It sure seemed like uh, the people were more invested in watching the women's basketball game on Tuesday night. So uh, I think that's also a, a part of it here is – man, this men's basketball team does nothing but disappoint. But guess what the women's basketball team does? They get it done. They win basketball
2: games. I personally, at this point in time, would rather watch the women than the men. You hit a key word there, and that is investment. And there's not an expectation for the Nebraska women to win every ball game. But you know what? The way they play, the way they share, and just their approach to the game is is able to stomach. And by the way, they'll, they'll win, and they've got a big win over uh, a top five this year. Uh, the men, meanwhile, uh, are a lot of fun to watch, especially the way Bryce has grown. That part of this team is fun to watch. And and I like what Walker's doing, man. He's a stand-up guy. I'm glad that Trey's back. But overall, watching the, the same miss-up, Time and time again in crunch time moments. And it's it's not like they're they're having a a moment where it's they're they don't know what to do, it's that they don't do it. We'll wind down hour one next. And now and now back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time this first hour, Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery Chris Schmidt Elijah Herbel is uh, coming up, Bill Dolman, and then the defensive coordinator for Coach Solich and proud dad of Joe Burrow, Jimmy Burrow, coming up here at 525. Their adventure that has been this Cincinnati season and Joe's uh, well rise in football. He's been a party to watch, man. He's been outstanding. Reminder to buckle up. Coaches make substitutions during the game. To get the best player on the field, getting behind a wheel after drinking also demands a substitution. Sober drivers are the only choice. A DUI counts more than you think. A message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. You can send your emails, chris at alevarsity.com. Or a tweet at us at uh, Schmidt underscore radio at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. So, Elijah We'll get Bill Dolman's take on this. And I know we're a little early, but better early than not at all. And we'll kind of refine what our our Super Bowl eating plans are. But Americans will eat over a billion wings on Super Bowl Sunday. And uh, last year, a record went down. 1.42 billion wings trashed, eaten, absorbed. That was what the National Chicken Council survey said. Last year, I had to go to three different spots to find wings because there was a wing shortage, and I waited too long. And I'm more about either getting them them from the cold case or kind of that smart chicken packaged, you know, little party wings versus the frozen kind. How do you do wings? Are you going to buy them, or are you going to make them? Elijah, what's your go-to? Well, to be honest with you, I stay, you a boneless guy? I, I stay away from wings on the Super
0: Bowl. I, I mean, I, I like wings. Don't, really? Don't get me Why? wrong. I'm a just big because of the convenience. It, it's it's more. I usually watch Super Bowl with my family. My dad's not a big wing guy. My brother likes wings, but not a big wing guy. And for the price, for how many wings we would have to get for our Super Bowl party, we usually just go elsewhere. Uh, our traditions are usually a, a nacho of some short some mm-hmm. sort. Nachos are big on the Super Bowl. Little Smokies huge for us on the Super Bowl, uh, and then a, a smoked meat of some sort. Maybe we'll go uh, smoke up uh, pulled pork, make some pulled pork uh, sandwiches. Maybe it's okay. a brisket. I- I'm not quite sure, but that's usually what we go for. The wings, it's just the price. Whenever it gets to Super Bowl time, when you got to buy you know 60 wings,
2: 80 wings for the Super Bowl party, it just it's just too much. No, I don't. I don't disagree with you there. I think I paid premium wing prices last year but it was totally worth it are you a jalapeno and sour cream guy on your nachos or how do you do your nachos
0: so it, it's simple you go with uh the Velveeta and the rotel mm. yes classic and then you just uh make up some uh, some ground beef with the uh, the taco mm. seasoning on top you go shredded lettuce you go uh sour cream and then if i'm feeling dangerous those uh I think it's the pickled jalapenos, the jalapenos that come in the jar that like aren't as spicy as a typical jalapeno. I think they're pickled, okay. but I'm not quite sure what actually goes into that mix. But the, the ones that aren't going to be uh, burning your face off for the next half hour after you eat the wings.
2: No, that's see, and I just I do like living dangerously and then sharing the wealth later uh, <laughs> with the, the the jalapenos. I mean that's that's a that's a go-to, but no, I uh, I'm pretty much uh, spray a little butter. Do a little Old Day, Ooh. a little garlic seasoning, and then sea salt and black pepper for my wings in the air fryer. If it's nice next Sunday, may have to get the old smoker out and do my, my uh, Asian uh, sesame oh, wing good. coating and smoke good. those. Bill Dolman's on the way with Hail Varsity. <laughs> Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to HailVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HailVarsity.com backslash Thanks for hanging out into Hour 2. It's Hale Varsity City Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. We're streaming live because it is Friday at 5 with the Pride of Fairbury NBC Sports and his Olympic coverage his play-by-play. You'll watch all winter games long with NBC. Bill Dolman with us on ESPN Lincoln Facebook, on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter. I'm watching footage right now of the Jamaican bobsled team. Getting ready to rock, getting ready to roll. They are all sorts of excited. I'm excited Bill Dolman's not in Beijing. God love him. Billy D, good to be with you. You are gearing up for the world to watch, the world to hear. All about biathlon, my friend. How you doing?
3: I'm great. I'm excited. You know, it's uh, it's in a sport that I love. It's a sport that I've come to know. And, you know, pretty much it's... It's the foundational sport of the entire NBC production and really the entire Olympic movement. Um, Civilization um, will rely upon what we do over the next uh, two weeks. Uh, Keep in mind, uh, if you are watching something on television and they are skiing and shooting at each other, that's a Bond movie. If they're skiing around and shooting at targets, that's biathlon. Now, I know I could do both, but for the purposes of the Olympics – Skiing and shooting at targets, that's biathlon. And we get underway. My call time tonight uh, from Bill's basement bureau of NBC Sports is 1130 tonight with a call about 2 o'clock in the morning. And then I think it re-airs sometime tomorrow morning on maybe USA Network. I don't know.
2: Wherever they need us, that's where they're going to put us. So after Silk Stockings is done, (laughs) we get to watch Bill Dolan and and biathlon fire it up. Maybe we'll have a re airing of Hunter, the old uh, PI show with the uh, the former LA Ram. Uh, what was that guy's name? Fred. Fred Dreyer. Uh, Fred Dreyer. Thank you. Steph- and Stephanie Kramer. Let's not forget. Uh, uh, I, you know. I, 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 Stephanie Kramer was a big part of my my childhood, <laughs> but uh, I just couldn't come up with the name. Bill Dolman's with us, geared up. So it, it, you need to check out. Bill Dolman here on the StreamYard, Facebook, and, of course, Twitter, ESPN, Lincoln. You've got the Beijing Winter Games zip-up going. I mean, you are yeah. rocking the company yeah. gear. Yeah, and they were very
3: kind to me. I, because I'm not in Stanford, I thought I was just going to get a, a T-shirt. Um, but, no, <laughs> they, they, they sent the whole the whole thing. And I, I've got more uh, hats and uh, uh, stocking caps, a nice vest, uh, They. Uh, They decked me out for those times when uh, Shaggy's got to go out and we got to go for a walk. So uh, I'm very appreciative of that, uh, of the swag bag I got from him. Now, now can I
0: ask you really fast? Uh, If. You take biathlon out of it. I know you're a big biathlon guy but in terms of all of the the winter sports that are going to be going on in the olympics this year which is your favorite one to watch because I know I personally prefer winter olympics to summer olympics because the half pipe is amazing downhill skiing is amazing you got speed skating all of these exciting events going down so when you take biathlon out of the equation which is your one from a, a non-biased perspective to watch
3: Well, I I do legitimately love watching biathlon. I will say that I've become a big fan of the sport because you can have somebody go from a minute down and in one shooting range and somebody be a minute up. And the next thing you know, the guy who's a minute down is in is in the lead. I mean, the the dynamic of the lead and the tension when they come to the range, I mean, it really is very, very dramatic. And so I, I do love the sport. Um, you know, I love watching uh, the Alpine events, uh, and, I've, and I watched some of the, uh, the training runs the other day, and it looked like uh, Franz Klammer flying down Innsbruck in 76, some guys just trying to stay on the edge of their uh, – the, the knife edge of their skis. And uh, that's going to be uh, some pretty harrowing um, events, I, I think, especially the, the downhill. Uh, you know, I, I sat here last night. I, I did curling in 2018, mm-hmm. and it is quirky. But you you just kind of get sucked into it. And watching the Americans in the mixed uh, doubles go against Sweden last night, and listening to my friend Kevin uh, Kevin Martin, who's a legend in Canada and curling, uh, you know I, I got kind of got enthralled with watching curling again last night. But I, I appreciate all of the Olympic sports, I really do. But you know the thrill of those downhills and Kayla Schifrin on and slalom events. Uh, it, it's just really, really spectacular. And I just have such great respect for all those athletes.
2: Bill, what's the, the event where it's like you're going face first down a, a giant jump? Skeleton, Skeleton, is that right? Skeleton, well, that, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. like the lose yeah. run, right? That's, that's yeah. money yeah
3: I've called Luge I've called Luge and actually I called uh, Luge live uh, at Lake Placid a a couple of times and went down while they were doing some training runs there and watching them the big big turn and you're talking about people like glued to the ice at you know a a 90 degree degree perpendicular to the ground and flying past you like 80 miles an hour on a sled Uh, that was you know a pretty great experience too skeleton is just crazy because that's Luge going head first and, you know, it, it is death defying. And unfortunately, there have been people who have had tragic consequences. And um, uh, I think in Vancouver it was, but nevertheless, or maybe it was Calgary. But, uh, you know, that's that some of those people have absolutely no fear, especially those downhill ski racers. Oh my gosh, I heard Lindsey Vaughn talking about going 85 miles an hour in a downhill race. And, you know, the men are probably top a 100 in some places. Well,
0: speaking of Vancouver, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a quick shout-out to former Husker Kirk Tomasevich back in Vancouver, breaking the uh, U.S. bobsled drought, getting the gold. Yeah. That That's one of my favorite, I mean, Olympic moments ever, getting to watch the former Husker do that.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, there, there are some quirky events. I think bobsled's a little quirky, curling. Let's face it, biathlon, it's like, how did they come up with that idea, you know? <laughs> um, but if, if if it's quirky, they're going to call me, and I'm going to go do it. You know, so, Bill, I want to go to this to you. Sure. I know that there are political concerns that I know there are some certain controversies around, you know, the, the Olympics going on with the pandemic and politics and all that. You know what? Let's just celebrate the athleticism, the pride in country and what these athletes, many of them have been training for their entire lives for the races that we're going to see and some of them they are going to have you know the rug pulled out from under them because of a, a positive covid test and they're you know locked up someplace in a hotel or in a uh, you know some type of hospital in the drama in the last 48 hours in uh, in the sports you know you really start to feel for those athletes because they put their whole life into something where they're not getting a lot of money um, so I, I'm I'm doing this. I celebrate sport. I celebrate the athletes and respect what they're doing, and and that's that's what I focus on. Uh, and everything else is for somebody else.
2: Bill Dolman, uh, NBC Sports on on the Olympics yet again. His fifth Olympics, fourth, 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 fourth Olympics, uh, Winter Games, Biathlon, USA Network tomorrow morning, and uh, check out uh, Billy D on the call with the Olympics. Signing day was Wednesday. It's kind of a culmination bill of, you know, December's early signing period. Thirteen high schoolers, three JUCO, uh, ten in the portal, and uh, Nebraska got some some great grades, you know, on on their face with the portal additions. The top ten class around fortieth with their high school acquisitions. We'll see where it goes. But topic I want to get into with you here for a couple of minutes is the the reality of of this this marriage of, of systems, what Frost has done, the success it's had, at least from a yardage standpoint, uh, the goal now is to translate it into red zone points, and and you know get up over that 30 point, 35 point number. Mark Whipple, uh, well documented what he's done with quarterbacks and how effective he was in the portal, uh, not only with with Chubba Purdy but. Also, you get Casey Thompson in here and the ability to work with some of the guys still on Nebraska's roster. You've got a developer in in Whipple. You have a developer and a great eye for talent in Mickey Joseph. You have a developer and also another eye for talent in Applewhite. So you've got a new setup and uh, there's a bit of a language barrier Per Coach Frost, because everyone's coming from something different. But what do you what do you envision the offense doing with all the wideouts, 13 on scholarship, some high-profile talents from the South, on top of what's returning? You know what what is the offense going to be? I think at Scott's heart, he wants to run the ball, and statistically, he's been more run than pass. Whipple's been a pass guy first, but he gets with his NFL background and how they adjusted to beat Clemson running the ball, not successfully, but at least it wasn't a one-dimensional offense. What do they mesh to do, at least for spring, so it can be something that's pretty vicious in fall for this Nebraska team?
3: Well, I've had a suggestion, you know, just real quick about Nebraska basketball, that we kind of get to where we're just (laughs) playing 30-minute games. So I'm going to okay. try and get that done.
2: you you're, thats step number one.
3: <laughs> with Nebraska football, I, I think that we're going to try to have two footballs out there at a time, so that they can try to work all these quarterbacks that they're bringing into the system. Now, three is too many, but I think if you had two footballs on the field, and you've got—I'm still, you know, loyal to Logan Smothers because Logan Smothers was loyal to Nebraska. All right, you've got Purdy coming in. You've got Thompson coming in. Those three guys are going to battle it out, and the younger guys are going to learn. Now, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can get that done, but in just let's just say there's only one football. Mm-hmm. One of the good things about uh, you've got a new system coming in with Whipple. You've got Scott, as you talk about having his own language, uh, but you're bringing in a couple of guys who have played at the collegiate level that would be accustomed to – uh, having the experience of, of a college system, so I think they're going to be able to learn how to speak the same language together. I think there's that just comes with experience. If you're bringing in a high school kid and everything is new, it might take a while. But I think with Thompson and Purdy's experience and Logan Smothers' experience with Scott Frost, I think that those guys will all get on the same page fairly quickly. Now, in terms of what you're going to see out of that offense, um, you know, Mark Mark Whipple with with Kenny Pickett. Uh, being a Heisman Trophy finalist, I think most people thought, well, they must have been throwing the football around like, you know, uh, you know, the Dan Marino days, or, or, you know, where they were just throwing it around 75, 80 percent of the time, and they threw the ball. He threw the ball, picket, 497 attempts last year, 4,300 yards passing, great numbers, completed like 67 or 70 percent of his passes, but in total, Pitt threw the ball 544 times last year. They ran the ball 525 times. I think people would be surprised with Pickett. They would think, well, they just threw the ball all over. No, there was actually some balance. Now, was that a great running attack? No. You had three guys that had um, 100-plus attempts and three guys that had over 500 yards rushing. Nobody had over 700. Nobody had 1,000. Nobody no 1,500-yard rusher. So this – This whole running back by committee thing that they've got going on at Nebraska with, what, 40 running backs now in the room? (laughs) um, Or I should say probably an auditorium now. Um, There's going to be probably a lot of guys. eh, I shouldn't say a lot. There will be three or four guys getting the bulk of the carries based on what they did last year at Pitt with an All-America quarterback. Nebraska doesn't have an All-America quarterback yet, but they've got experience there. But that was balance 500, almost 600 passing attempts with Pickett and still 500 attempts uh, on the ground with all the running backs they had. And they also had uh, eight guys with over 20 catches. One in particular, Jordan Addison, had 100 catches last year. So clearly he's the favorite target. But you've got uh, seven other guys with 20-plus catches, so that should keep most people fairly happy. And Nebraska's not going to have Austin Allen next year uh Volker, like, i think is back right at the tight end position so mm-hmm. they've got to try to figure out the go-to guy with Allen gone but for the most part that receiving room i'd look at that and say okay n- nobody's going to get 100 catches but it looks like the, the the potential is there for a lot of guys to have 20 30 40 catches if thompson purdy or smothers or harburg uh can distribute the football around successfully, but they've got to have some continuity of quarterback. It can't be a revolving door.
2: Bill, uh, I want to switch gears. About two minutes left. Uh, a thought here as we gear up for the Super Bowl, Zach Taylor and uh, Joe Burrow ready the rock in L.A. Of course, McVeigh and company, uh, they're, they're back in the Super Bowl. Do you look at uh, – I guess the Callahan era and Shatel had a good column on this earlier in the week. Do you look at the, the Callahan era a little bit differently now? Uh, no. with Zach kind of, <laughs> Zach emerging to where he's at now professionally and getting to the Super Bowl? Cincinnati has been a, a ton of fun to watch.
3: They have been. And it's been fun to see Zach grow in that role after going on 11 to start and to get to where they are. And, c- and congratulations to Cincinnati, which has not exactly been the best, run organization over the last probably 30 or 40 years they've had some high moments but a lot of lows still the same ownership Uh, I had a friend I've had friends that have played for the Bengals in the past and we're not quite impressed with their experience but you know (laughs) Zach has gone in he got the chance and has made the most of it and part of that probably is the fact that he was eager to get that opportunity so that maybe he didn't know what he didn't know now certainly his father-in-law Mike Sherman. Uh, probably, you know, gave him some uh, tutelage and as to what to expect and what to demand and what you can, what you can do. But you know, the way Zach is, you know, it, ingrained himself in the Cincinnati community, the way he has responded to the fans and they respond to him, it's wonderful to see. That, there's no question. And could he have done that in L.A. with, you know, no? I mean, look at Sean McVay, who's a pretty good coach, I think by all accounts. But there's not that community feel with Sean McVay. It's all about community with Cincinnati, and uh, I think Zach, if they win the Super Bowl, could probably stay there forever uh, mm-hmm. if he wanted to. But uh, he's he's done by, well by Nebraska. Look, Callahan brought in some nice players. There's no question. Indomitian and Sue, maybe the best of all. Zach's a great story because Harrison Beckley said on the show it was going to be a bust, and they better go get somebody, and they got Zach Taylor. So we were right there. Um, but look, the the Nebraska football tradition. Was, you know, go big red, black eye, you know, for the most part. Uh, we lost some pride during that era. And so, no, I don't look at it entirely differently, but Callahan clearly is a great offensive line coach. He brought in some great talent, but he was just not a great football coach at the University of Nebraska.
2: Bill Dolman, Pride Fairberry, watch him, NBC Sports, Biathlon, and uh, Bill's Fourth Olympics. Bill will check in next week, time permitting for you. Thanks for being with us today and, and squeezing us in ahead of your call. And about this time uh, of the day, I'd like to say good night. <laughs> and Have a pleasant tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going Ellie, to bed. <laughs> take care, brother.
5: Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, managing editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we produce. 10 issues of our monthly magazine our annual football yearbook and all the premium content we produce at hailvarsity.com just go to hailvarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code gbr for ten dollars off a full year of hail varsity that's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe promo code gbr
1: and now
2: and now back to hail varsity radio Back into it. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. What a run for the Cincinnati Bengals. What a run for Joe Burrow. We say hi to uh, a proud papa and of course a uh, uh, Husker assistant and, and player uh, a few years back. We say hi to Coach Jimmy Burrow. Coach, uh, how's it been? I mean, I got a hundred <laughs> questions to ask you. Let me say first, congratulations.
7: Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's still uh um a little unreal it's it's overwhelming at, at times uh, uh, some people including myself are, are a little surprised but you know Joe's confidence is he's probably the least surprised of, of anybody. he's expected this to happen uh, since the day he got drafted by the Bengals and uh, we're, we're just enjoying the ride uh, his mom Robin and I we've been to that game uh, Sunday was our 20th uh, game that we've got we've been able to go to and we got one more to
2: go. You do the Super Bowl is a week from Sunday, and and that's that's the big one. They're all big, but this one's really big. And and I want to go back to to Sunday and Arrowhead, and tell me about your experience, just the the whole the day. Really, I mean, we'll end with the cigars yeah. in in a minute, but I want to <laughs> I want to I want to know about just the experience and and the emotion uh, watching that. Yeah. Well,
7: once upon a time, I thought after he played so many games and I'd coached so many games, played in so many games, I I just quit being being nervous. But I I think I'm I'm more nervous uh, now than than I've ever been. So it was just one of those uh, kind of nerve wracking games. Uh, we we started out uh, though that morning with with a tailgate. Of course, we have a lot of family and friends in Nebraska, very short drive. So they were all there, uh, family and friends from all over. So we. We started that, uh, went, went to the game, uh, amazing game. Uh, things didn't look good the first half. I'm the defensive coordinator. I was once upon a time, so I'm looking at it going, man, these guys might be unstoppable today. Uh, defensive coordinator made a, made a great uh, uh, change of plans the second half and, and uh, shut those guys down. Joe got rolling uh, with, with Jamar Chase and T Higgins somewhat, run the ball with Joe Mixon and uh, uh afterwards just uh unbelievable uh, feeling that you know our son was is going to the super bowl and the bengals more tailgate um <laughs> jimmy chase uh, showed up he's a kind of a cigar smoker and uh but my son jamie from omaha had had given me one and i i didn't have it lit yet and then here's here's uh, jamar's dad uh, smoking one, he said, "Hey, light that up and let's get a picture." So uh, we've had a good relationship ever since LSU. So, just you know, fun, fun times, and uh, smoking the cigar was was uh, was was a part of that.
2: Jimmy Burrows with us here on Hale Varsity Radio, of course. Uh, Joe in Cincinnati after the Super Bowl, you're probably watching it through different eyes. Well, different, different. Each eye, right? Because you've you've got your defensive coordinator hat on all those years at Ohio and Iowa State, and then you're watching it as dad. Uh, and what a what an idea to drop eight into coverage. I mean that that three one seven was. I, I no, I've I've seen a lot of Chiefs football, and I've not seen them struggle like that. And I mean, it, and the defense played great. I mean, the offense did their job, yes. But yeah. as a D coordinator, well, you had to appreciate the the adjustment. You know,
7: yeah, Lou Anarumo, he's a friend of mine, has been for a good while. This he just did a, a an awesome job. You know, they drop eight. Uh, one of those guys, I think, usually probably Sam Hubbard. Uh, even though he was dropping in the middle for those short crossing routes, where where they just kill people on with uh, yards after the catch and but but Sam was also uh, uh spying the quarterback and then those other three just kind of were were kind of keeping keeping the uh, homes at at bay so to speak I mean you don't you're normally not able to do that but they were able, able to at least keep him in the pocket and then eventually Sam would would rush or they'd run him out of bounds because he had to retreat so much but yeah just a great job that that defense has has really uh, been great all year. I mean, there's a few times here and there that they've uh, uh, given up some points, but uh, you know, Joe would be the first to tell you that the most valuable players on, on, in this particular game was was our defense.
2: Jimmy Burrows, with us, coach, has <laughs> Joe soaked it in. Have you been able to soak it in and have fun with it, or is it still like okay, mission's still in front of us, and that's that's the Super Bowl? <laughs>
7: yeah i mean he he's always said that that's that's his goal and and until until he can get that goal i mean there's there's celebrations certainly every week when they win a big one but uh he's he's uh, grounded in, in what has to be done these next two weeks i'm taking care of uh, all the ticket things and and the uh, hotels so that he hasn't he doesn't have to do do that stuff he's kind of in his same routine it's it's weird he wins a big game to go to the super bowl he gets home and uh the next next day uh he's playing playing video games with his uh his old high school friends like he (laughs) like he normally does so uh that's just joe but uh you know they'll start preparing i think today and and uh but his his focus has has been unbelievable all year and and really uh always ever since he uh Really, he went to LSU, and, and they went on that magical 2019 run. And it helps to have Jamar Chase with him,
2: too, right? Oh, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> let's oh. Let's, spend, let's spend a second on that chemistry, because it was magic in the title run in 2019, and then you're able to get Chase where you did in the draft, and, you you know, Joe, and we'll get to the injury in a moment, but, I mean, that's old hat for those two. The NFL hadn't seen it. Yeah, and and...
7: I mean, there's a lot of hard work that, that sure. went into getting them where they were in 2019 because 2018, the offense struggled somewhat. Uh, that connection wasn't uh, what, what, what it eventually got to be in 2019. But uh, I think Jamar I saw where uh, Joe Brady put him catching tennis balls and it was like just thousands of tennis balls that he and uh, Justin Jefferson caught during the course of that summer. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, we come out, uh, on fire that that first game and and really really never stopped uh, speculation. Then uh, after uh, uh, Jamar set out and about the draft that maybe they the Bengals would go for an offensive lineman, but Joe knew the dynamics and and how special uh, uh, Jamar was. That's that's who he he wanted. Uh, he stays out of those decisions. Uh, he he knows that that's not part of his. His responsibility, his job. I'm sure they asked him about Jamar. and I'm sure he he said how how awesome he would be. But uh, when we when we drafted uh, Jamar, I just knew that 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 bond uh, would would take hold. He dropped some balls in preseason, but I don't think anybody really remembers that now. No, I don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, special, uh, awesome receiver. And the thing that Joe always tells me about Jamar is and he doesn't get enough credit uh, is he's really smart so he he understands uh coverages and and what they're trying to do to him he, he actually credits joe with with teaching him back at lsu you know what to be looking for as they watch film and and uh they just spent a lot of time uh, throwing routes together and and it's it's usually pretty obvious that they have been working hard uh, during the course of the game and people are doing all kind of things to try to Try to eliminate Jamar, but eventually you got to cover him one on one, and that's when Joe's able to take advantage of that.
2: Jimmy Burrows, with A few minutes, <laughs> the Super Bowl run for Joe and Cincinnati, Hale Varsity Radio, Heisman, National Title, Number One Draft Pick, Division Winner, Playoff Run, <laughs> Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, that's more than a T-shirt. That's really uh, really special, Coach, and uh, it's it's been so much fun to watch and. Interested here with with Joe and his drive, and his confidence. You touched on a little earlier, but also he has been able to come back from injury, and a really serious injury, and and look the same. And I know uh, he's put the work in for that. But even when he's being flustered, his accuracy is incredible. Touch on his his recovery from from the knee, if you could.
7: Yeah. Well, he he went uh, out to California, and, and uh, Dr. Neil Elatrosch was his surgeon. Uh, Aaron Reynolds took over the rehab as this therapist there for uh, a month or so, and just did an awesome job. Uh, then he he moved back to to Cincinnati. Nick Cosgrave is the physical therapist there, and and that whole team and, and medical staff, uh, really at both locations, were unbelievable. He has a private uh, uh, strength coach, Dak Notestein, who who played for me and Coach Solich at the uh, uh ohio university i recruited him he was an all he became our strength coach but eventually he he wanted to move over in cincinnati and and joe hired him so there was a team and that included uh, you know our our family to to support joe and be with him along that that way uh, we went to california with him and uh but there was a lot of people involved a lot of hard work uh it, it didn't happen overnight it, it really there was a few uh practices or in that first week that he was a little hesitant to uh, uh, being in the pocket with, with bodies around him. And, and, uh, but it didn't last long. He got back to normal uh, as, as far as feel, feeling comfortable, but then not until really after the bye week was in his mind able to, to do the things you saw him do uh, the other day, as far as uh, extending a play and, and uh, getting away from the rush and those type things. But uh, it's been a process and, and I'm sure, there's still work to be done in the off season. A lot of people say you're not truly a hundred percent until that second year. So, uh, uh, but it's, it's been phenomenal to, to watch the, the progress that he's made. And as I said, a lot of people deserve the credit.
2: Real quick coach touch on the, the connection and fit with Zach Taylor. Of course, the Nebraska <laughs> angle with, with Zach and, and Zach's always been a, just a great offensive mind and, and really talented player himself. But touch on Coach Taylor if you could.
7: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, of course, I knew it, him, who he was and everything from Nebraska. My son Dan, I think, was a senior leaving there when, uh, when Zach got to Nebraska. Yeah. So they knew each other. And then when he became a coach at Cincinnati, we always worked their camps and spent some time oh. over there uh, with, with their group of coaches. And so I, I got to personally meet him then. And then just phone conversations. Uh, I uh, I wanted to 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 make sure, uh, you know, that that when Joe went over there, that that uh, he knew who Zach was. They got the, the uh, meet at the combine and and talk. And then you know, I had some conversations and really uh, built a great relationship. And and Joe, the good thing about Joe is he he trusts. Uh, uh, Zach and, and uh, Callahan and his quarterback coach, uh, Coach Pitch, uh, and they trust him. They give him a lot of responsibility. Uh, he can change the, the, the blocking uh, as he sees fit. He, he can change the play. And kind of a funny thing is his headset uh, and his helmet went out uh, a few weeks ago or in the Tennessee game, and he called four plays on his own before <laughs> they could get it fixed. And and, and Zach uh, reminded him after that that from then on, don't don't just – Fake like something's wrong, so yeah. you can call your own uh, play. But uh, it's an unbelievable relationship, and it and it and it uh, just continues to get get stronger. Uh-
2: promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's Hailvarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR.
1: And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio.
2: Jimmy Burrows with us. Coach Burrow Hale Varsity Radio. Joe and the Bengals off to the Super Bowl. So, you got the suntan lotion ready? It's been frigid in the <laughs> Midwest. Are you ready for L.A.?
7: Well, I, I, I wouldn't want to be out there with, without a shirt on, no, no matter what the weather was. So, uh, uh, but any any warmth at this time of year is is positive. Uh, it's going to be a, a, a really a special uh, four or five days. We're still working on the, the whole uh, logistics of, of when we're going, what what we're doing, where we're staying. And, uh, uh, I mean, it's a it's a process, and a big part of, of Joe's preparation is not to – get distracted mm-hmm. by, by all the, the things that have to happen. And that's why his, his mom and I are, are working uh, with the Bengals to, to make sure he doesn't have to do all those things. So, uh, but it's fun, blessed to be a part of uh, Joe's journey.
2: Last thought here, Jimmy Burrows with his uh, coach, uh, Nebraska, adding Bill Bush and Mickey Joseph to Coach Frost's staff this year from LSU. And uh, reaction from you, and I know Bill Bush pretty instrumental in in uh, helping Joe kind of figure out LSU.
7: Yeah, Bill's a a good friend, and I I knew him, uh, uh, but but not well to, mm-hmm. tell you, to tell you the truth. Before the recruiting visit and our time at LSU, uh, big big part in in recruiting, uh, not just Joe, but recruiting. Uh, Joe's mom and I to mm-hmm. to feel good about the decision to go to LSU. He's a great recruiter. Uh, he does a really good job uh, about coaching, and uh, I'm sure the the special teams uh, are going to benefit from from Bill being uh, being being involved in that. Uh, so that's a that's a great thing. We've I've talked to Bill. He texts me basically after every every game, and <laughs> uh, uh, we're excited for him. Uh, Mickey. Uh, got to know him at, at LSU and I mean just just look at the the, the people out there in the NFL uh, Jamar and Justin Jefferson uh, uh, those those type, type guys that and there's others out there that that he did a great job with and then and then he was just uh, uh, I think he's one of the best recruiters in the country uh, once again check out who he recruited at LSU the uh, it's documented. It's, there's proof in the pudding there, and, and uh, I'm sure Scott feels great that, that he's able to, to add those two guys, and we're excited to, for, for Nebraska to have them uh, full-time coaches now with, with, uh, with Scott Frost and the Huskers.
2: Coach Burrow, enjoy. Best to you and your family. Thanks for a few minutes today.
7: All right. Thanks, thanks a lot, guys. Go Bengals.
2: Well, that's the uh, coach and a proud dad, Jimmy Burrow, with us on Hale Varsity Radio. They are geared up. Bengal fever as uh, the Super Bowl week will commence uh, on Monday. And big thanks to uh, to Coach Jimmy for, for coming back with us. We've had him on a few times. We had a great time with uh, Brother Jamie yesterday. And uh, Burrows are just an incredible group of folks, wonderful family. They are so proud of Joe for what he's done, and Joe's been an absolute just party to watch do his thing. Not only when when he put LSU and that run together, but but of course with Cincinnati and then you know the Zach Taylor connection. We'll hear from from Coach Zach next week. I'll do a rewind segment unless we we get Coach Taylor, and we're we're working hard on that, but. Uh, when when Zach got hired, I think it's three years ago today that since he hired him, so uh, we'll <laughs> we'll uh, relive that uh, not long after the hiring and then the outlook. It'll be, you know, it'll be cool to to hear Zach's thoughts then and man, it's come to fruition in a giant way now. So this is good. Uh, Coach Ogeron or- has a book. Uh, flipping the Script, I believe, is is what it's called. Flip the Script. And it was done by Bruce Feldman. Of course, Bruce, uh, big-time college football analyst, author, and uh, college football guy with Fox and does sidelines for him. And we bump into Bruce from time to time in Big Ten Media Days. <laughs> Bruce did the work. He did Swing Your Sword with Coach Leach. And this is an excerpt from Flip the Script on Burrow's recruitment and it's it's pretty hilarious we will edit a little bit but going to read uh, from that that excerpt about landing joe burrow to lsu this is from coach orgeron coach o in his book flip the script i thought the key i thought uh, he was the key to joe dan burrow the the, the brother and uh Dan was an honest guy, gun ho. I knew I'd make a good I'd made a good connection with him that weekend. He was the one who broke the ice that Saturday. I was pretty sure he believed that LSU was the best place for his brother. And this is quoting Ed. Hey Dan, what's what's Joe gonna do? And, you know, Dan's response, well coach, it's his decision. Hey Dan, bleep that. LSU or Cincinnati. Listen, Dan. I want you to reach down there and check your blank. If you got two, you need to give him a call and tell him (laughs) LSU's the best place for him. Uh, (laughs) Are you going to let him go to Cincinnati instead of LSU, Dan? Dan's response, well, it's going to be up to Joe. Danny, if you love your brother... and you want what's best for him, and I know you do, you got to call him and be firm with him. Dan's response to Coach O, yes, sir. I know you love your brother, and you know that the best decision for him is to go to LSU. you got to be strong and forceful in how you say it. (laughs) Dan's response, yes, sir. Uh, So it sounds like Dan Burrow put together a Microsoft Word doc Gave it to Joe, and it was a written argument on why to go to LSU versus go to Cincinnati. Uh, I think, I think Fickle was at Cincinnati, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, that was uh, his first year there, wasn't it? Right, and I think they went four and eight. Well, I, I mean, I after hearing this story, a, I can see why Joe <laughs> Burrow. <laughs> and, nuts! I can see why Joe Burrow <laughs> went to LSU, but b, I can see why Ed rubbed some people down at LSU the wrong way, and why he only made it. Uh, let's see, two seasons after uh, winning national championship, but that kind of behavior, I can
2: see why they showed they showed him the door. That to me exemplifies Coach O'Garon with being able to know people's personality, mm-hmm. okay, and and read the personalities, and then identify who's gonna who's gonna who's my decision maker, who's gonna be the the decision maker. To help get Joe. And we you know, we heard from, from Jamie and we heard from Jimmy just the, the LSU experience, because they 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 struggled with it. I mean, truth be told, I mean, the the Burroughs probably aren't real big transfer people, right? Mm-hmm. And you had an opportunity down at LSU, and I can just that's just Coach O, man. I mean, he's been an insane recruiter, and I mean that as a compliment throughout his career. He loves it. And he pushes the envelope, but you look at the 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 history of great recruiters. They know the uh, the old hard sell, and then the the personal sell. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Hey, Danny, <laughs> reach down there. <laughs>
5: yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. What were you saying, Elijah? Say, have you heard the story of where Joe's on the recruiting visit, and they go to Coach O's favorite restaurant, and he says, "Joe, you want some crawfish?" And Joe's like, "There's there's none on the menu." So, uh, table of them. So, Coach O pulls out the phone calls the chef at the restaurant and says we need some uh some crawfish and 20 minutes later they're bringing a a big old tub of crawfish through the back door of the restaurant
2: (laughs) yeah that was legendary where you get crawfish brought in we'll wind down a friday next
5: like what you hear high quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at hail varsity i'm brandon vogel managing editor i wanted to offer listeners of the hail varsity radio show podcast ten dollars off the price of an annual subscription that means that you, for less than $20, can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HailVarsity.com. Just go to hailvarsitycom slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hail Varsity. That's hailvarsitycom slash subscribe, promo code GBR.
1: Yeah. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at hail the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. satellite up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio.
2: One final time on a Friday. I'm over at uh, Pius tonight. Over on KFOR here locally. For East and Pius, the battle for A Street, two high-profile programs, two really good coaches, Campbell and Spitschka, and a couple of great squads with tremendous kids. So we'll have basketball around 720. Coach Jeff Smith with me. And uh, this is unsolicited, but our friends at Lazari's, uh, no doubt, were uh, pretty big in the Zach Taylor, Nebraska college years. I don't know if Zach has more career touchdown passes or more career slices. Of uh, of Lazare's uh, back in the day, but uh, that that's something you got to fire up, man, for your Super Bowl, right? Just, I mean, how many how many families, i.e., wives or girlfriends, put up with the Super Bowl party, and they're just kind of silent? But each year it builds. They're 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 human, unless you have a uh, like I, if we have people over. Or we go somewhere. You know, you got to help with the cooking, or at least offer. You got to help with the cleanup. Make sure that happens. And uh, order a large pie man from your friends at Lazari's. They'll take care of you. Mm. Unsolicited advice, but uh, Zach Taylor, no doubt lived on some Lazari's. I'm fairly certain of that. I, I believe we heard from Jay Moore it was Lazari's and Dalyones, Right. No, they, they did. They just crushed... Yeah, we'll get Jay on next week. Okay, so what we have planned next week, our old boy Tom Rathman will be with us, I think, Monday, as it'll be Super Bowl week, uh, Husker Super Bowl week. We're working on Mr. Wistrom. Uh, we'll lock in Sammy Cook uh, and maybe a Boomer Esiason sighting. Oh, wow. So, yeah, and if th- that none of that happens, we'll just burn the tape. But, <laughs> <laughs> scrub this from the podcast never happened we will, we will just say <laughs> i don't know what any of you were here hearing i don't know what you're talking about we don't have a line yet for nebraska tomorrow do we i haven't I, I've been looking i haven't checked just because well, well what is the line what would you set the line at Well uh, probably right now it says the matchup predictor for espn says northwestern has a 65 percent chance to win tomorrow well see, I, I gotta figure out how I'm gonna even be
0: watching this game. I'm gonna be in Kansas City tomorrow. Uh so we're gonna figure that out to see if there's I mean as soon as on Big Ten Networks, so what do you Yeah,
2: yeah, what are you doing on what are you doing in Kansas City?
0: Uh, my buddy works for the Chiefs now that their season is over. He's uh, efforting getting us a, uh, a tour of, the, uh, of Arrowhead, so I'm going to go down and see if the visitor's locker room still smells like cigar smoke. Okay. And then uh, after that, I think we're going to go try to hit the, the World War One Museum in Kansas City, which if you've
2: never been. That'll be good. It's, it's, it's got to be on
0: good. the bucket list. One of the best museums in the, uh, the Midwest.
2: Do that, and then go check out uh, the Negro League's uh, Baseball Hall of Fame as well. Oh, I've, yeah, I've been meaning to go the see that. The museum's incredible. Buck O'Neill fantastic uh, gentleman that's uh, no longer with us but he was incredible to to hear and, and see if he was really your buddy he would have got you a tour in seats last week but you know, whatever Oh, th- th- that might be a little above his pay grade still <laughs> <laughs> right. hey, enjoy your weekend we're back tomorrow morning, weekend edition myself, Mark Cranach 7 to 9 a.m. and uh, hoops a little bit later on Hail Varsity, were presented by the Nebraska Lottery
0: a Huda
1: Media Production.